Hi, and welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I'm Brad Mason. I'm here again with my tired wife, Natasha Mason. Hello. She's coming off of three days, 12-hour shifts, and so she is pretty tired. She's had a, a long weekend, unfortunately. So I'm not quite sure what her uh, level of... Um, participation. Yes, what your level of participation might be in this episode number 46. Um, I usually have a catchy title to go at the top, but I really don't know what to call this one. So we've had a little bit of discussion between the two of us about what we wanted to talk about. Um, not that we're coming short on any kind of ideas, but we both work a lot and, uh, sometimes it makes it very difficult to sit and listen to the Lord and ponder and think of different things to talk about. Um, because the Christian faith is so interesting, there are so many different ways you can go. We could use a lot of scripture. Uh, lately, I feel like we've been adding more scripture to the podcast, which we both really enjoy, um, because that is life. We've talked about it before. The Word of God is life. Um, so in this episode, we're going to take a look at, um, man, I guess we're going to call it uh, theological myths, maybe. Uh, <laughs> we'll look at one. We'll look at one specific theological myth. And uh, really the reason I say it's a theological myth, it really is um, based on uh, where do we get our truth from? So uh, I think that is a good place to start. So where do we get our, where do we base our truth of what we know from? About the Bible? Uh, that would be a good start. So it's <laughs> the word of God, right? So uh, if you know anything about the podcast, we tend to talk about the Bible. So if you're on episode 46, you might want to go back to episode one and kind of start from the beginning. Uh, but yes, uh, so we base all truth that we hold dear uh, when it comes to theology and our viewpoint and God um, on the scripture and uh, the things that the scripture says. Um, so generally speaking, um, that should be the, the place that we draw our knowledge of the Lord. Um, we should not really draw it from anywhere else. We're going to see there are different things. Uh, there's uh, material, there's books, and there's tracts, and there's different things that people can um, give their, uh, what do they call expository. They can give you their idea. They can give you their commentary. Uh, they can give you their thoughts. We do that a lot. We give our thoughts on what the Bible might mean or what it might say. Um, but when it comes down to it at the end of the day, it really doesn't even matter what Brad and Natasha say. Um, I encourage everyone who listens to the podcast to always thoroughly search the scriptures. If we say something on here that sounds off or you don't agree with, find the Bible verse to uh, hold your opinion up, to back you up. The scripture says we're supposed to be ready to give an account. And when, I, when it says that, I really believe that it means an account about our salvation, uh, an account about our God, account about, uh, to others about our theology. Everything that we can, you know, we could have a conversation with someone about, um, we should really know what we believe. I had someone the other day, I uh, was talking about an atheist and an agnostic. And um, the person had been a Christian for a long time, and they said, what's an agnostic? And I'm like, what? Huh? How do you even know what that is? So, I mean, and this, again, this is a long-time Christian, but some people, um, I always go back to the milk and the meat the Bible talks about. I think some people are very happy and satisfied uh, with just the, the knowing they're saved. Some people call it fire insurance. Yeah, I think that's... Not really what we want to call it, but that's what some, I've heard people use that term before. Oh, you got fire insurance. It's just enough um, of Jesus in my life. It's just enough of salvation. I believed and I gave him, 
uh, this portion of my heart. And, you know, and they've not had that. They've not really wanted to dig deeper. Um, there has been a change made in some of these folks, um, but the desire to know more has just not really been there. And I, whether it's an intellectual thing, whether it is a spiritually um, uh, deficit where the Holy Spirit's not pulling at their heart, not everyone has the same gifts. We know that. Um, the scripture speaks about that. The, uh, there's eyes and ears and feet and tongue. The body of Christ has many different parts and we all do different things. So um, really understanding that we... Uh, we're a very diverse group of people. Perhaps they are the appendix. They could the be. They could be. <laughs> I don't. I know. Why would you say that? <laughs> because that it's is not really necessary. They could. That's maybe. I'm. I'm. That's a good guess. Sorry. You got me laughing. Now she's got me laughing. So, I mean, that's a possibility. I, but they're still a part of the body, right? They're still brothers and sisters in Christ, and we love them. And I think this is one thing we learned when we saw with um, Paul. I want to say Paul. Um, when he went his separate way, remember there was a, a splitting there. Um, it's that they were brothers in Christ, but they still could not agree to the same things. Yeah, it was like, okay, you and you, this other person, y'all going over here, and me and y'all, we're going this way. Right. We're going the other way from you. Right. So they had the same faith in Jesus, Yeshua, but they didn't. Um, they didn't see. They didn't see eye to eye when it came on how do we work this out? How do we take it to the Gentiles? Do we take it to the Gentiles? Do we take it just strictly to the Jews? And so they disagreed a lot and they split their ways and they, they went separate ways. Um, and that's why we have different denominations in the world today. And we have different groups of people um, who are representing God. And that's why you have so many divisions of Christianity. If you're, you're wondering what that's all about, folks, that's what that's about. That's about these people over here believe that, you know, uh, you can do one or two things and these people over here believe you can do three or four and they don't, they don't necessarily agree on the finite details and so they split up. And the real truth of the matter generally lies within the, um, the place that they get their belief from. It's that where is this core fundamental value that I hold come from? If it, if it doesn't come from Scripture but it comes from personal opinion, then I'm not actually preaching the Word of God. I'm preaching my, my own pretext, my own opinion, right? Well, I think you have to be careful because a little... Um, seed that you're saying is, well, we're all brothers in Christ, but we believe different things. Oh, no, so no, 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 no. So I think. That, no, I would agree. That that, someone can. Yeah. can you could take that and that twist and it, like, right? You could take oh, that well, and there's more than one way right. to God. You could twist that, take it and twist it. But it's a simple, um, it's. It's, uh, it's our family all living in the same house. We all live in the same house and we can all be in different rooms doing different things, but we're in the same house. We're doing different things, but we're in the same house. So Christianity works the same way. Uh, if we're born again through the shed blood of Jesus, that's the house. That's the body of Christ. Uh, we could all be in the body of Christ and one could be doing missions and one could be pastoring a church and another could be a teacher and another could be, I mean, there's different things that people could be doing. So you have to understand that the foundations and the roots of what we believe are, should always be consistent. This is what Christ said. He said, Father, may they be one in me as I am in you. So we're supposed to be one in that thought. We are honestly supposed to be one in our own doctrine. We're supposed to be one in the way we see things. But I think... For the vast majority of Christians, though, if you sit down and have a conversation with them and, and probe them on, why do you believe this way? A lot of it is going to come back to, well, that's how I grew up. That's how right. Grew up. Exactly. So it is tradition. It's influence. It's a couple different things.
see is, and the real question is, is where are they getting their truth from? So, um, traditions, what are preacher, right? Well, what are traditions? Traditions are what dead people leave you to do. Right. I mean, they're, they're all dead. They've all done these things for years. Well, we, we've done it this way for years. That's just how we've done it. Who's done it. They're all dead. They're not doing it anymore. Why are you still doing it? So traditions tend to be what dead people leave behind. Um, and this is what happens. And you, you mentioned preachers and there are some of that too. Um, I I saw on uh, Facebook today, uh, one of the people that I tend to follow had uh, made a comment about a famous TV preacher, won't name him, but he had made the comment that, uh, touch not mine anointed, the scripture says, so, you know, good things are going to happen for you because the world's not going to mess with you. And I'm like, what? I mean, somebody forgot to tell those uh, disciples the touch not mine anointed because they were all crucified upside down, cut up and stoned and everything else. So, I mean, yeah, uh, it's interpretation of the scripture, too. That has something to do with it. Well, I agree that there's different differing levels of um, pursuit in people's knowledge. Sure. Whereas, you know, um, certain people, they read the Bible. Right. But you and I, we just had a conversation about, well, what does the Sabbath day's journey mean? Right, right. And you read stuff in the Bible and you do, you, you either read it out of context or you don't necessarily know what it means. True. And so a lot of people just kind of gloss over maybe parts that they don't understand or want my preacher. And then there's some people who just sit and the preacher tells them and it's on a big screen and that's the extent of their... Right. Biblical well, one diving. of the things one of the things that I think right now is really prevalent in our society, and if you've listened to, we have an episode called "Reckless Not Reckless." You can go back and listen to that. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that's very prevalent, prevalent, prevalent in our church culture today is music, and we've talked about mm-hmm. this in in worship, uh, the dangers of worship. Um, is music is such a huge influence in the Christian community right now. Everybody wants to have worship music. Everybody wants a worship service. Everybody wants to have an experience. Be entertained, yes. And so the problem is that a lot of people are taking that worship experience and those worship ideas, and they're taking the very songs of, of the words in the songs, and they're making that their theological knowledge. So it's not that I'm getting my beliefs from the scripture. It, it could be that I'm getting my belief from a song. It's that even this, even though the song says reckless, and we know well, that's not the case. they're Christians, and they right. wouldn't sing about anything that's not true. So one of my favorite, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out one of my favorite groups. Loved them for years. The Orange County Supertones. I'm a huge fan. We got to see their last show. I am just, I love the Orange County Supertones. Love their message. I love what they, they stood for. I, I just loved what they did. I love their, their music, but this brings up a very interesting subject because I've heard this in songs before. It's not just the supertones. I believe this singer Carmen had a song. I mean, a long dramatic song about this. And, uh, and so for the last couple months we've been talking a little bit about it and it's this idea that's really been bugging me because it's not theologically correct, but it sounds so great. We're going to write these great songs based on it. And I'm going to read you real quick. Um, And I'm not a rapper. This just kind of goes with what they said. But this is the lyric that I want you to hear from one of my favorite groups. And it says, but Christ in my place in substitution showed me his grace propitiation, heard the devil laughed and he thought he had won, but then came the comeback in resurrection. And it's a great lay in the song. It's great. And it just wraps out all the way. And it's so much fun and it's great. But it presents this idea to you that I want everybody to consider for a moment. Heard the devil laugh and he thought he had won, but then came the comeback and the resurrection. Now, like I said, they're not the first ones to say this. Carmen had a song about, um, 
I can't even remember. It's the it was this long drawn out thing where the devils just you know he thinks ah oh, he's cheering with the devils and his demons. Well, you know, and, we went to a concert that had a, a I'd never heard of them before, but they sang this long and they actually sang it twice. Right. About the devil. Yes, and yes, yes. You know, dancing around right. at the feet of Jesus at the cross, and they thought they was one. And right, and so it, it really lends. So this idea, and here is what we're really talking about. And I told you we're going to take on one tradition, uh, just this one specifically. And so it's the idea that the devil thought that he had defeated Christ. Um, and this, this idea seems to be pervasive in the church that the devil, um, somehow thought that when Jesus was crucified and dead, that it was over with, that, that he had won, right? It. Yeah. Him, the de demons, they were chuckling and they were sitting around and they were having a good old time. And, and then oh, on the third day, the ground shakes and he comes up and, uh -oh, up, uh -oh. you know, he's coming back. Oh, right. Oh, we, we, we didn't really win. Right. Oh no, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> oh no. So, you know, we really got to look into this because I, I really said, I just don't see that. You're not you don't see that in the scripture. There's no verse. There's no scripture anywhere that says the devil ever thought that he had won. It never says that he ever was upset or angry because Christ rose from the grave. It never says that he celebrated that he was crucified. So what was he actually doing well this time? So here's here's exactly what was going on. I'm sure on. he wasn't somewhere just chilling. So let's go all the way back to Genesis, right? We go back to the Garden of Eden. We go back to Adam and Eve. We go back to the devil tempting Adam and Eve. What was the purpose of him tempting Adam and Eve? What was the purpose of him trying to get them to sin? Uh, to separate them from God. Yes, he was trying to get separation from God. If he could get them to sin, then they were no longer holy and they were going to be away from God and God would have nothing to do with them. He didn't want them having anything to do with God. Then there's a prophecy that comes out in Genesis that says uh, he would bruise his heel, he would bruise his head. Um, so there's a prophecy that your seed's going to bruise his head and you, he's going to bruise his heel. And the devil is aware of this. Now, he is an angelic being who was created uh, before the world was made. He's with God in heaven and, and he's there. And the scripture says that Christ was in the bosom of God, but he, he was seen as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He was the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Uh, the scripture also say he's the, the word made manifest in the flesh. Um, he is Torah. Jesus himself was Torah. He was the answer to this sin problem that was going to happen. Was the devil aware of this? Was yeah. he aware that Jesus, Yeshua, was Messiah? Yes. Okay, so he was aware Yeshua was Messiah. He knew very well that in the temple there had to be a sacrifice for sins, that these animals were, they were passing their sins to the animals and the sins for the people uh, would be uh, put upon the animal and it would be sacrificed for the sins of Israel and for the individual sins. And so he knew, uh, he was well aware that there was a sacrifice made for sins. He knew that God... So perhaps the one thing he didn't want was for God to, or for Jesus to die. There it is. Wait a minute. So wait, because hold on. Because he would understand that's the completion. Yes. Yes. This is the whole thing, right? So we've been writing these songs forever, and I'm just picking on this one subject because it's, it's fun to pick on. But we've been writing these songs about how he didn't know he was going to lose, and he was excited because he thought he had won. But that's absolutely not what the Bible tells you. It doesn't paint that picture at all. It doesn't even go down that path. What it tells you is, is that the devil knows that he has got to die. The devil knows that he is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. He knows it. Here, here John the baptizer says, behold, the Lamb of God. 
you know, when he's walking down to him, he's proclaiming he's the Lamb of God. So the devil knows this. And his, the, devil, the devil wants to keep him alive. Yes, he wants to keep him alive. He doesn't want him to die. Because if the sacrifice happens, then all of sin, what he had worked so hard to get put into place, is done. It's finished, right? So uh, you say, well, now that doesn't, how, how, how can you prove that? That's easy to prove. Because uh, remember, Jesus was in the wilderness and the devil came and he tempted him. And it says he took him up and he says, if you'll bow down before me, I'll give you all of this. If you'll, if you'll follow after me, I'll give you, I'll make you rich. I'll make you a king over all of this. I'll give. And what did Jesus do? He quoted Torah to him. He quoted scripture to him. You know, you're not supposed to tempt the Lord thy God. I mean, he, so the devil does this and he does it a couple times. He's tempting Christ. They've made movies about this, about the devil trying to tempt Jesus. And it was a, it was a effort to keep him from going to the cross. It wasn't because he knew, well, if he dies, I'm going to win. It was, if he dies, I lose everything. And he knew that. He knew that. That's what we should be singing songs about, how scared he was that Jesus was going to get up on the cross and die for our sins. That's what he was scared of. So then Jesus is crucified. And that's the end of the story, right? I think if you had a song about that, you would thoroughly confuse most people. Absolutely, because it doesn't fit our happy-go-lucky narrative that Jesus was the underdog and, um, that and death is a bad thing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And now the scripture says he overcame sin and death and he went to, he went to hell and he took the keys of hell and death and he owns those are his. Now they no longer belong to the devil. They're, they're Jesus's. He's got the keys of hell and death, but he wasn't afraid that he was going to lose. I mean, the devil, I think he knew that he knew he was going to lose. He knew that he knew. It. So when Christ is on the cross, remember he comes to him when he's on the cross and he, he talks to him there. Why don't you call down some angels to get you off of this thing? What's he trying to do? He's trying to keep him from dying. Don't do, don't die. Cause if you die, then don't, don't complete this. Right. Please. If he completes this, then, then the people's sins can be forgiven. They can do it. You're the lamb. Oh, we got to stop this. So this is the idea, but it's this, and these traditions of men, these traditions and ideas that come along every now and then, and they rear their head and they don't seem to match up with scripture. There's a, there was a song. Um, I wish we'd all been ready. I've sung it before. Um, it talks about two in the field, one taken, one left behind, and it does not match at all what the context of the scripture is. The song is the invisible rapture. That's what the song presents, but that's not what the Bible says. That's not what it's talking about in that passage of scripture. And so we don't really look at it. We don't read it, but it sounds great in a song. And so people build their theology off of it what paints, they paints a very striking yes picture it sounds great to think that the devil was you know oh jesus rose from the dead he was defeated yes he was defeated everything was defeated we're overcomers through christ jesus because he overcame the world he overcame death god raised him from the dead hallelujah that's the real truth right there but the devil lost the moment that he was crucified he knew it and he absolutely knew it this is why you don't see him anymore after Jesus comes back from the dead, he's raised from the dead. Is there anything in the scripture about the devil hanging around telling people, uh, do you don't come near here. He's still in there. Don't, don't, don't come over here. He's still in. No, it doesn't say that at all. Now it says, now the scripture says he stands in front of God and he accuses the brethren daily. That's what the Bible says. Now that he knows that he is lost, the only thing he can do to us right now in the presence of is accuse us every day before God. Oh, did you see what they did? You see what they did over there? I saw what they did. You see what he did? Oh, look at them. Look at them. 
And you know, that's his, that's what he's doing. He knows he can't, he can't undo what Christ did. So all he can do now is be our accuser and he can stand there and just point his finger. He can riddle you with guilt and shackle you in your brain. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we, we do that to ourselves too. Uh, one of the things I remember when I was growing up, I used to hear, uh, just kind of the church denomination that I was in at the time. Um, everything was the devil's fault. Everything. Right. It didn't matter if it Not was today, Satan. Right. If it was raining, it was sunny. If it was snowing, it didn't matter if the grass was too tall. Whatever it was, it was the devil's fault. If it, if I tripped and fell, well, that was the devil. That's the devil tripping me up. You know, there are the natural. Don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> don't get me wrong. There are things that the devil does, but he is not omniscient. He is not omnipresent. He is not omnipotent. He can't be everywhere. He can't see everything. And he doesn't have all the power. He doesn't. He's very limited. Um, that's why he has his minions and all these other so things. So you're saying that most of the bad things that happen to us are whose fault? Primarily, I'm going to say ours. <laughs> I'm, I've got children. We've got children together. And I often pick that uh, whenever they do something and they trip and fall, or they, I say, well, you're, you're honest, Mason. Because I'm a very clumsy person. And I, I've broken plenty of things in my life by... Just, you know, half half paying attention anyway, but that doesn't, it's not some supernatural force that's doing these things. It's this, it's my inability to function sometimes, but that's how it is with, with the devil. We're not, and not everything is his fault. Is sin his fault? Absolutely. We could take him all the way back to the garden of Eden and, and accuse him of that. We could go to God and say, look, look. He is, uh, he was there at the beginning. He, he helped this happen. He is, yes, he's the father of all lies. Uh, you know, and I have no, uh, no qualms accusing him of all that stuff, but you know, there's those things in our life where we have to take accountability for, we can't always push it off on somebody else. If we make a bad decision, that's sometimes that's our fault. You know, um, sometimes we, we did things we probably shouldn't have done. Um, but you know, and then there's other times, there's other times too, where, where things are going to happen in our lives. I was reading about Abraham and Isaac today. Um, and Abraham goes to offer up Isaac. If you, everyone should know the story of this, um, Abraham, here's another one. Okay. Let's, let's hit this one real quick. Abraham takes his little boy, Isaac up the side of the mountain to, to, uh, sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. You just said little boy. Yeah. Why would I say that? Because that's what we in our brain thinks. That sure, was a little, all of little our kid. all of our children's books say that. All of our uh, all of our little children's Bible stories books say that Abraham took his son, uh, his little boy, up the mountain and carried a bundle no, of snow. No, saying little boy. Okay, he's not. <laughs> so uh, how old? Uh, the, Isaac was thirty-seven years old when Abraham took him up on the mountain. He was a full-grown man, um, and Abraham. Yeah, Abraham was. Let's see, uh, Abraham and Sarah. God had they told were in their him 90s? No, 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 no. They were in their 90s when he had when he was told he was 99 years old when God told him he was going to have a son and he laughed at him. Um and Sarah was uh Sarah was 127 years old when Isaac, I believe it was 120, 137 somewhere around there, uh when she died. Um and a lot of people, a lot of the rabbis and and uh sages uh, tend to believe that she died around the same time that Abraham took him up the mountain to sacrifice his son, that her heart couldn't bear it. So that's why she gave out at 127, 137 years old. Um, so these, they were very old when this happened. And, and Isaac was 37 years old. He was a full grown man. I'm sure he wasn't really 
too happy about the whole idea himself, but he was not the little boy that we always paint him out to be. And I think a lot of times with the Bible, that's the, we touch it with those hands. We touch it with kid gloves. We want to make it so that it's easy to tell children. We want to make it easy. so And so we kind of paint things in a, in a brush that's not necessarily true. And we, we turn some of it a little. We don't think there's anything wrong with it, but we don't deal with facts. And when it comes down to it at the end of the day, you will possibly run into someone in your life who's going to challenge you on those facts. And they're going to say, um, cause I know if I run into you, I will, I'll say, I'll say, show me the verse where the devil said he won. <laughs> I mean, show that to me. I want to see that. Cause that ain't, it is not in there. You're not going to find it. So anyway, uh, this has been just a fun episode. Uh, really looking and the real encouragement here is, is to open your Bible and read the word of God, read the story. You're going to read about stuff that you didn't know about who, uh, just quickly off the top of my head, something people don't know. Um, where did, um, the temple the plans for the temple come from who, who uh, the original temple that God built, everybody remembers the story. David wants to build a temple. God says, no, you can't do it. Your son Solomon will do it. Um, and Solomon builds a temple. Where did the plans come from, from the temple? And don't answer that. And I won't answer what, well, if you're curious, go look that up in the Bible, see where that came from. Well, I was going to say Solomon, but oh, no, that's not the answer. So that's don't, something don't, you can don't. look at. Again, that's one of those things you can look up. There are things in the Bible and we're going to get into a little bit more on, uh, Tuesday in the study of Acts chapter three in our uh, continuing study of the the book of Acts. We'll look at the temple. There's some really interesting things there that we're going to hit real quick um, and talk about, but it's all about getting into the word of God and kind of, you know, if you don't want to read it chapter by chapter, um, read it, read some verses and try and link those with other verses in the Bible. See if you can find the, the common link between the new Testament and the old Testament, because it's there. It's almost always there. There's a ver all, a lot of the verses in the new Testament are just quotations of the old Testament. They're quoting, you see this in the book of Acts, you see it in Romans and Corinthians. So, uh, really good. That's how you get Bible study going. So uh, anyway, from us, we hope you had a, a good time with us on this episode. Uh, the devil lost. He knew he lost. And Jesus did rise from the grave with victory over hell and death. And he has those keys. And there's nothing that that devil can do to ever get them back. All right. <laughs>